Well, we're continuing in uh, Psalms. Last week we uh, did, uh, the, last, uh, the last two weeks we did two parts in uh, Psalm 1. These two Psalms, Psalm 1 and 2, I understand were originally one psalm. And they divided them up, and I think there's good reason for them to be divided because they stand alone as psalms of their own. We, we discovered that in the uh, first psalm that we are blessed people, particularly those who walk in the ways of the Lord and who do not walk in the ways of this world or those who are in the world. We walk as worthy of the Lord and we don't stand in the ways of sinners, but we stand firm in the place that God has put our feet, the occupation that we're in, the opportunities that we have, we see that as God's appointment. That's the place he has placed us. We stand firm in him with our armor, armor ready to bring on the attacks, bring on those temptations, bring on those things, not in our own prior strength, but in the armor that God clothes us with. Nor do we sit in the seat of the scoffers. We're not scoffers. We're compassionate people. We are people who don't rest in our own securities, our own strength. We rest in Him. And so in resting, we sit. And as Ephesians says, says we are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. That's our position. Not someday, but it is our position right now as we have accepted Jesus Christ into our lives as Lord and Savior. It's not something by and by, and someday I will be perfect. I'm only as perfect now as Christ has made me perfect. And remove from me the sin that before I was so easily tripped up. But now in resting and drawing from the position that I have in Christ, I receive his forgiveness on my confession. I receive his power to overcome. I understand that his word is as a sword, being able to push back those things that come into my mind into my life that overpower me. I rest in the Lord. I sit in heavenly places, even though my feet are here on the earth. And that is a, as Paul says in Romans, it's a reckoning. Maybe some of you don't use that word every day, reckoning. But it means that I consider it. It's a balanced book. It is a position that is already won for me and done for me as I put my trust in Jesus Christ. So I don't become a pawn or as the chaff that the wind drives away. I become like 
of trees. We talked about trees last week. We will be like trees planted by the streams of water. We draw up that water. Just as Kevin was lying on a rock <laughs> by the water. I've been up in that place and there's big trees there too alongside that river. And they're drawn up hundreds of feet in the air. Well, not in the air, but up through the trunk and up to the leaves. These trees are drawing the water. Miraculously. God invented more trees than he did people. Do you know that? <laughs> or he made more trees than there are people. He didn't invent. Well, yes, he did invent, but he made more trees than people. You thought we were the rulers, the commanders of the earth. No, it was the trees. <laughs> Maybe that's the reason why C.S. Lewis was so fascinated by trees that talk and move and <laughs> Anyway, I won't go over some one too much more. I'm wasting time. Not wasting, but I'm using it. <laughs> Psalm 2. Let's read that together. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree, the Lord said to me. You are my son, today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the sun, lest he be angry and you perish in the way. For his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. That's uh, the title of our sermon this morning, is Taking Refuge in Him. And Kevin did a good job of des describing that, with a uh, lion on the rock, the birds singing, the stream making its noise, and the sun shining down. That's where... We find ourselves in Jesus Christ. It might sound like Narnia, but it's, it's much better than that because it's reality of where we are. I'm going to be developing this psalm with the five W questions. Do you know those? 
who, why, what, where, when, uh, why, these kind of things. Okay? Five whys. Or W's. But the first one is why. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us burst off their bonds or yokes apart and cast away their cords from us. Why are the nations in an uproar today? We have a TV in our house, we, we don't use it. It's too big. It came with the house. So Normally we've been a family that does not watch TV. But occasionally we do. And of course with the internet and things like that, we have access to the whole world. How many of you felt the earthquake that happened in uh, Taiwan the other day? It wasn't that one? Somebody told me they felt it. There was one in Tokyo too. Okay? But see, it's we have them all the time, so it doesn't matter. But Taiwan, it was a it was a big one, and we didn't hear about it until later in the day. But we get the news instantly. And how many of you? There's something that's coming to your heart that this world is in trouble. It's constant. It just, it seems like the only news that we get is bad news, troubled news. And so with that inundating us, why not ask that question? Why are the nations in uproar these days? Every, every day we hear about violence and horror. We hear about decisions that are made to destroy marriages and the fabric that keeps our nations together, our societies together. We hear of shootings and violence and killings that make absolutely no sense. As we went through Genesis last year, that was the pattern. That was what was happening. After the fall of man, or even because of the fall of man, Adam and Eve believed Satan's lie and brought death, sadness. Can you imagine that first couple when their son killed their son? And thought about that. That was a result of their sin. Cain murdered Abel in jealousy over a religious act. The Tower of Babel attempts to bring significance to people so that our name would be great in the earth. And God confused them instead. The wickedness of Noah, Noah's generation, I got a cake. <laughs> Noah's generation was judged by the righteous God. And so all but eight people survived. All of them. What? Only. 
All but, okay. <laughs> you see, I'm not an English teacher, and don't ask me to teach you English. <laughs> but, there were only eight people left. What a lonely world, bobbing around on this sea, wondering, what's going to happen? Where's the wreckage? Where's the rock? And then the ark hits a rock, <coughs> and they're stuck. Um, but it's on the top of a mountain. And so we have a picture of trouble. Sodom and Gomorrah happen or, or develop from the descendants of these godly people that Noah's children. Trouble, trouble repeating itself constantly. So what do we do? We look to our kings. We look to our leaders. We look to those who could lead us and guide us and provide for us prosperity and a peaceful life. The elections are going on in the United States and they're absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> a billionaire is asked, is saying, you provide it all for us. And another one says, the government will give it all to you. In fact, college students rush to America. You'll get a free education. They, they promise all of this. The kings of the earth. But this song says, the kings of the earth set themselves against the Lord. They take counsel against the Lord and against his anointed. Saying, let us burst their bonds. Or, as another translation says, their yoke. Let us burst it apart and cast away their cords from us. Reminds me of what uh, says about Jesus had told a, a uh, parable about a uh, rich man who had ten servants, and he gave them <coughs> ten pieces of money each, and asked them to use that for his kingdom. And when he came back, they did not use those talents or those minor for what they were purposed. They used them, but they didn't particularly one. Only brought back what he had and gave it back. Didn't earn anything. Because he said, you are a severe master. And so I put it in a handkerchief and I buried it in the ground. And here it is. I kept it. Aren't I a good boy? No, you're not. You didn't earn anything for what I gave you. If you knew that you were, if you knew that I was a severe man, you would have at least taken it to the bank and gotten some interest. But you did nothing with it. And so the kings of the earth 
the rulers, are against the Lord and his anointing. Sin is part of our makeup as human beings. Many of you know that uh, Katie and I took a vacation during the Christmas time. We went home and we uh, visited with our family. In fact, we had a very long Christmas day. We had Christmas here and then we got on the train <laughs> and we went down to um, uh, Narita and we flew for 10 hours. Having spent Christmas day, we get there in the morning and we have Christmas again <laughs> with our, our kids. What a blessing. We had an opportunity to celebrate the second birthday of our great grandson. No, not he was great. We are great. We are the great grandparents of this great grandson. Isn't he a sweet looking boy? Oh, you can't see him. Hey, where's Okay. Can you see that? That's my that, that's that's my protege, my, my uh, what is it? No. It, it, I, I poured my life out and there he is. Beautiful child. Are you looking at me or is it? <laughs> His name is Andrew. He's two years old. Sweet little thing. Just like his grandpa. <laughs> or his great grandpa. <laughs> yes, he is exactly like his father and like his grandfather and like his great grandfather. Let me tell you about him. It was his birthday. He had seen his mother make a cake for him. And that's all that was in his head. But she had also fixed a beautiful meal for many of his uncle, uncles and aunts and grandparents and great-grandparents. And uh, it, was, it was a wonderful meal. But all he could think about was the birthday cake and ice cream. And so he was seated at the table in his chair, and he wouldn't eat because he wanted ice cream. And so his father and his mother were convincing, uh, trying to coax him to eat his, his meal before he had ice cream and birthday cake. <laughs> He wouldn't do it. So the aunts and the uncles and the grandparents and great-grandparents, we were all cheering him on. Andrew, open your mouth. Here comes the airplane. Or here comes a train. He wouldn't. He resisted and resisted. And it wasn't until his dad picked him up out of the chair and disciplined him, put him back there, they began to eat. Slowly, but I want ice cream <laughs> and cake. Yeah, he is truly my offspring. 
Oh, actually, I can say he's the offspring of Adam. <laughs> it's his fault. <laughs> you know, why, why do we try to make for ourselves all these comforts in life when we don't take care of our hearts? And that's the effect of what we're seeing on the news, just amplify day after day. Life is hard because of sin. So who is going to solve this problem for us? Verse 4 says, He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds him in derision. Um, then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. What is the meaning of that? As for me, I have set my king on my holy hill. The holy hill refers to Jerusalem. What happened at Jerusalem on Mount Zion? What is the most significant thing that happened on Mount Zion? Anybody volunteer an answer? That's, That's where the temple was. What else happened there? I thought this was famous. It's a little removed because Zion is moved a little further from Jerusalem. It's on the same mountain. It's where Jesus was crucified. Jesus was crucified on that mountain. What is the significance of the raging of the nations and God's laughing in derision? Oh, 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 do I ever have something stored up for these people? Wait till they get to hell. Not that kind of 
does. He provides a, a lamb. And John the Baptist said, look, look, there's that man, Jesus, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So what happened on that holy hill? What made it holy? God paid for the sin of the whole world with his son. And so, on that cross, it was God who sentenced him to death. It was God the Father who said all of that evil that is in the world Think of it, the weight of it, put on his own son, who walked and did a perfect life. And God struck his son, like Abraham would have done, with a knife, to do righteousness for us. That's the heart of God. He killed his son. We say, my sin killed his son. Yes, it did, but it was actually God who executed it. It wasn't me. It wasn't you. It was the justice and righteousness of God that required a just payment. And that payment was made. That's why God said, In his life, he had a solution for man. And it was so simple. And yet we make it such a religious act, impossible to really understand until we read the words of Jesus. And we understand what our sin had done to Jesus and what he had done for us and taking it away. And we stand free. We stand as righteous. He became sin for us, we just sang. He became sin for us that we might be righteous. That's the true nature of God's heart. And this song speaks it to him. But there's another meaning of that. God being our Father and placing him in that position for us. As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. My king, he said, Jesus is king. And do you remember what Pilate did? Pilate was the one who said, okay, if you want to kill him, he's yours to kill, he said to the Jewish people. But he said, I'm going to write this 
on the cross. <coughs> what was it? Jesus, the King of the Jews. Jesus, the King. And so the king died, gave his life for the kingdom, became our savior, and he reigns today on our behalf because he overcame sin and death by being raised from the dead. God raised him from the dead to prove that he was the righteous one. And in that, we are guaranteed that we also will rise. We will be resurrected because of his resurrection. Not on the basis of our goodness, but on the basis of his being the Lamb of God. And God raised him from the dead. It was a just thing to do. And he preceded us, opening up heaven for us who believe in him. That is the gospel. That is the heart of the gospel. As simple as that. And even a child can understand it. God paid through his son, Jesus Christ. When we recognized and said, it is done, it is finished, it is a complete redemption. That was the Father's heart. Verse 7, it says, and you'll see the uh, names of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit behind these words. You can't see them. Oh, wow, they, they are. Uh, yeah, you can't. Right here, it says son. Sorry about that. Okay, the first set of verses, when it talks about he who sits in the heavens, that's the Father. If you read through this psalm, it, it's kind of confusing. Who's saying who to what? And these first set of verses is, the Father is saying, He who sits in the heavens and laughs, the Lord holds them in derision. Then he, he will speak to them, that's the Father. In his wrath, that's the Father. In his fury. And as for me, God says, I have set my king on Zion, on my holy hill. Then the next set of verses, I will tell of the decree. What will he tell and who will tell it? Jesus. Jesus, the Son, will tell of the decree. And the decree is, the Lord said to me, Jesus, you are my Son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage, and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron, and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. This is Jesus speaking the words that God has spoken to him. And he then becomes the one who 
is our king who rightfully receives the kingdom to himself of all those who believe in him and follow him. Then the, in verse 10, Now therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry, and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. That's the Holy Spirit. Moving in the hearts of people and encouraging them to come to Jesus. Kiss the Son. Do homage to him. See him as your king. Receive him as your king. So that you don't live to be the king of your life. You go to a righteous king. You don't look to, to the government to give you what you need. You look to Jesus. He's your provider. He's your rock. He's the one that cares for you more than anybody else. And you'll never find somebody to satisfy your heart until you find Jesus Christ to be the one who satisfies. Because he's your king. Kiss him. Receive him. Know his intimacy in coming to your life through the Holy Spirit. It's a very simple thing to do. And many of you have done this. That you have confessed your sins and say, I am a sinner. I deserve to die for the, some of the things that I've done. In fact, most of the things. In fact, all of the things that I've done. I am not righteous in my own right or even in my own actions. I am unrighteous. Until Jesus comes in and removes our sin from us as the Lamb on whose the punishment was laid. And Jesus becomes the true Savior of every man and woman. And that's all we are. As we gather here at MCC, and maybe you're you wouldn't consider yourself a Christian, but you're, you're you're curious. You want to know. That's all it's about. As we sit here, we're worshiping the One who loved us and gave Himself for us, and reserved a place for us in heaven. That's what it means to be a Christian and to walk in his way. And it's very simple. And all of those of us who have done this, it was when I was 11 years old, I said, Jesus, my heart is black with sin. Come into my life. Remove this sin from me. Forgive me. And that's all that is required. And at that moment, I stepped from darkness into light and received Jesus Christ 
as my personal Savior, as he came to me personally in my heart. And I knew, and I've known all these years that I am his and he is mine. It was as simple as that. And I've heard that testimony over and over and over again by my friends and others. Katie received that when she was three years old. Three-year-olds can believe in Jesus and receive it. Don't wait, parents, to lead your, your, your children to Christ. Very important to lead them right when they're young and understand that Jesus forgives sin. We didn't do that with Andrew when he was not wanting to eat his uh, <laughs> <laughs> His parents are, are teaching him that Jesus died for his sin. It's a very simple thing to do. And we adults struggle with that sometimes. But it's such a complicated act the man dying in my place, a righteous man. That doctrine, don't try to teach that to your children, but simply that Jesus paid the price for your naughtiness, your disobedience. Yes, he did. Hallelujah.